This is episode 104 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle, where my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lejudice. Today, we're welcoming a special guest, Justin Michael Williams. From growing up with gunshot holes outside his bedroom window to sharing the stage with Deepak Chopra, Justin Michael Williams knows the power of healing to overcome. He is a UCLA alumnus, author, top 20 recording artist, and transformational speaker whose work has been featured by the Wall Street Journal, Grammy.com, Yoga Journal, Billboard, Wanderlust, and South by Southwest. With over a decade of teaching experience, Justin has become a pioneering millennial voice for diversity and inclusion in wellness. More at staywokegiveback.com. If you're scared to try meditation, or maybe you've tried it and found it frustrating and impossible, then this episode is for you. Stay around until the end to hear about this episode's giveaway. And you can always sign up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get the link to all the wonderful things that me and my podcast guests give away for free to subscribers. And you'll also get reminders when we publish this podcast every other week. Today, my co-host, Melania Trump, is going to do the interview. So, Melania, are you ready? He isn't going to make me do the meditate, is he? Uh, no, I don't think so. If he suggests even one time that I should do the self-introspection, I'm out of theirs! Okay, Melania. Okay, fine. As long as I never have to think about my life choices. All right, so let's go to the interview between Melania and Justin Michael Williams. Hello, Justin Michael Williams. Hello. Hi. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming on my show. So first of all, tell us about the work that you do and how you came to that work. Mm, uh, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor and a privilege to be here with you. And um, I'm one of those millennial people who do lots of different stuff. So I always find that it's really interesting to try to define yourself with like a noun, right? So what I, what I like to say is I um, am an author and a meditation teacher and a musician, actually. And I kind of work at the intersection of mindfulness, music and social justice, really trying to use music and meditation to help wake people up, to help wake up this world in a way that we can become more present and more powerful and more connected to ourselves. Wow. So people present about their life. Wow. That's, that's difficult for many people, Justin. I, I definitely know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really, it, it becomes really challenging for people, particularly because there are so many challenging things happening in the world, you know, and I'm sure you see so many of this more than anybody, yes. <laughs> but yes. you know, so, some of this stuff is really hard for people to face, not just what's happening in our world, which is already challenging enough and what's happening in the environment, but what's happening in our own lives, you know, and when we don't get present enough to feel into that and really face 
the hard truths of what's actually happening, we take away our ability to change things too. So that's why this work is so important. So how does one come face to face? What exactly, what does mindfulness mean? Mm, That's a really, really good question. So let me tell you a a little story about how when, when like my mindfulness practice really came in full forced to into my life to make me really face what was going on. And and I think that'll give you a good picture. Does that sound cool? That sounds perfect. Be best. Okay, cool. So like seven years ago now, my grandmother, who I was super, super, super close to, got diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she only had a couple months to live. And it was a super challenging moment for our family. My grandma was what I consider young, 67 super healthy seemingly. And we were very, very, very close. Like I talked to her on the phone like every day when I was in college and it was very close to her all throughout my life. And so when this happened, I flew home to the Bay Area where I'm from, Northern California, to be with her. And when I walked into the room, she pulled me aside, closed the door and just looked me in the eyes. And she said, I've been wanting to ask you something for a long time. But now that I know I don't have a lot of time, I'm going to ask you now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, you know, I'm like, what? I'm here. You have cancer. Like, what's this? She just said, just be quiet and listen. If you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And I just was like, what? And she just said, use your practice, close your eyes, get quiet and listen. If you were going to die in two months, what would you do? Go inside and listen. And I closed my eyes and I used that real practice that I know to listen deep inside of myself to really come up with the answer that I knew what was true for me. And I actually told her, I said, I would stop every single thing that I'm doing and I would record an album. I would do music. And the thing is, I had always wanted to do music ever since I was a little kid, but I never thought I was good enough. I grew up in what some people would call the hood. I mean, I didn't know it was that when I was growing up there. And, you know, there are gunshot holes outside of my house that I grew up in. And so and I got teased and bullied a lot when I was a kid. So I actually gave up my dream of music. I let it die. Let the kids who tease me make me think I sucked at everything. And and I let it all go. And in this moment of, of real, true mindfulness, of really listening inward, that dream inside of me woke up. And I think we all have these things. We all have these dreams and these desires and these images of our lives that when we close our eyes, we can see a life that we haven't started living yet. And mindfulness is one of those practices that helps you get in touch with the real truth of you and who you really are and the power that is within you and wake it up. And we all have this ability. We all have this power. I know that if I can do this, like, people can. I grew up, you know, in a really challenging neighborhood. And now today I'm like so grateful to say that I put out my album. It charted in the top 20 of iTunes next to Britney Spears and Taylor Swift totally independently. And I'm now traveling the world speaking and teaching and coming out with a book. And like, I'm not saying any of this to brag. I'm saying this to to say that if I can do this, I know that we all can. And the practice of mindfulness is the thing that helps us wake it up. So it's essentially just stopping the talking and getting quiet and listening to voices in head. Is that? Well, it's not uh, so (laughs) interesting that you say that it is that and it's not because a lot of the voices in our heads are voices that are sabotaging us. Right. And our thoughts that are 
um, taking us and keeping us spiraling in the same lives that we've been in the whole time. So what it is, I think at its core, at its essence, is we sit and get still. And when I say the word still, I want to describe what that means because some people say, well, I can't sit still. You don't have to sit totally still. The idea that you have to sit on the floor with your legs crossed in total, like a rock, you know, to meditate is totally not true. And also the idea that we have to get our brains to stop thinking is not true because you can't get your brain to stop thinking. It doesn't even happen when you sleep, right? So when we practice meditation, we welcome the pulses and the natural flow and the rhythm of our bodies. So you can kind of move and let your body sway from side to side with your breath. Usually that makes it a lot easier for people. You can sit on a couch, you can sit wherever. And then when it comes to your thoughts, you're going to notice there are lots of thoughts going in your mind. But what we have to do to change it from just listening to your thoughts and daydreaming to being a meditation practice is we introduce what's called a mantra. And this is the difference between daydreaming and meditation, right? So a mantra is what it actually means is a tool of thought. And just like you would use like a hammer to as a tool to hang up a picture frame, to hang up a nail, you know, or a screwdriver to, I don't know, I don't hang lots, I don't do build lots of things, but you would use that as a tool for something, right? Like mm-hmm. you use a, a mantra to um, be the tool that you use in your brain to help harness your thoughts so they work in service of you. So what I tell people to do is very simple. Think about what it is that you want to cultivate in your life and like what energy is it that you want to cultivate in your own life to become who you want to be. So maybe for you, that's power or maybe for you, it's peace or maybe for you, it's rest or maybe for you, it's love. And then you use this word in your mind. You sit and you repeat the word softly and silently, maybe love, 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 power, power, power inside your mind. And what's going to happen is you're going to do it for a second and then your brain's going to go off thinking about what you have to eat and what you have to do and what's going on. And that's normal. What you have to remember is every moment is a moment to begin again. And just as easily as you just drifted away from the mantra, you welcome yourself back and you just go, oh yeah, I was meditating. And you come back and you go again, love, love, love. And it might turn into colors or it might turn into an image of things you love or your kids or your partner or it might turn into you know, a sensation in your body, or you might start to think of sad things, that love you lost. And all of this is part of the cleansing that happens when we do a meditation practice. So it's, it's part of putting almost the good thoughts in and trying to just ignore the bad thoughts. I don't say that we ignore them, we kind of let them come up so that they can be bathed and soothed with this mantra that you're welcoming in. So like the, when we push, cause when we push stuff down, we push down our bad thoughts or whatever, they're just gonna, they're just gonna pop up somewhere else. They don't belong, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that what we have to do is we actually welcome all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our sensations, all of our emotions, which most of the time in our lives, we don't get a chance to do. And meditation is a safe place to let that happen. And for most people will say, but I don't have time to do the meditation. I have, you know, things to do, busy schedule. How often and how long do people have to do this? 
That's such a good question. That's the number one thing people say when they when they say they they can't meditate. It's like I don't have time. I don't have time. And this is what I tell people normally: you're doing a ten or fifteen minute Instagram or email meditation every morning. So don't tell me you don't have time because I already know. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and the but the truth of the matter is, you know, not to get bad at people for their Instagram or you know email habits is, you know, science has proven proven that. The, what we see and experience in the first 10 to 15 minutes of our day has a major impact on our mood and our trajectory of our entire day. And this is not some like woo-woo spiritual stuff. This is actual science because when you first wake up in the morning, your brain is in a similar state to being hypnotized. And so if you see one of the studies they did showed that if you see even three minutes of negative news when you wake up in the morning, you're 37, I mean, 27% more likely to have a negative day six to eight hours later. That's 30% more likely to have a bad day just from watching three minutes of negative news or scrolling through your feed and seeing something negative first thing in the morning. And so what I tell people, and this is the great news, the studies show that short meditation practices every day are better for you than long meditation practices every once in a while. And kind of the minimum recommended dosage for people is just 12 minutes. It's not a long time. It's not a long time, 12 minutes. So, you know, take the few minutes that you wake up in the morning where you're scrolling through your feed. You're gonna be able to do that anytime throughout your day and just connect with yourself. Check in with yourself before you check your phone. So do you literally get up and just sit up in bed and put timer on? Do you recommend that? Some people can do that. So I have to get out of my bed because I'll fall asleep. <laughs> I'll fall asleep. I stay in bed. So I, um, I get up, my alarm rings, I get up and I've turned all the notifications off on my phone so that I don't even see anything in the, you know, in the morning. And this is important because like, if you first wake up, even if you don't go check through your phone, if you see, oh, I have seven unread text messages or have whatever, you start your day feeling like you're behind before you even begin. And so just turn your alarm off. Don't look at anything. I get up and I go into my living room. I sit on my couch and I drop into my meditation practice. And yes, absolutely set a timer. I think that's really good because if you don't set a timer, then you're constantly looking at the clock. Mm. So set it for 12, 13 minutes and just sit and, and welcome that mantra into your mind and allow it all to come up. I'll, I want to tell you one thing. So to clarify about the mantra and the bad thoughts and the good thoughts. One of the ways that I like to really describe meditation to people is kind of like going to the gym or actually let me describe it this way. It's kind of like cleaning your house. So like cleaning your house and even going to the gym, they're not typically like relaxing. They sometimes take work, right? And people assume that meditation is always supposed to be relaxing. But the truth is, just like going to the gym or cleaning your house, meditation is doing the work to clean out your mind, to strengthen your mind so that you can be clear and powerful and strong for the rest of your day. So it's kind of like cleaning up your house when it's not all that fun most of the time. But when you're done cleaning, you like kind of just grab your wine or your kombucha or whatever you have and sit back and enjoy your clean home for your day or after you leave the gym, going to the gym is not typically all that relaxing. But once you're done working out, you always feel good. And that usually lasts for the rest of the day. 
meditation is the same thing. And so that's why sometimes your meditations, you'll be feeling anxious. Sometimes you'll be feeling sad. Sometimes you will have bad thoughts come up. But we use that mantra as kind of like the dishwashing liquid to like go through all those thoughts, sort, clean, soothe them and release them so that you can move forward with more headspace throughout your day. So let's talk about moving on throughout the day. So in Reconcile the Isle, we try to help people have better conversations, be able to talk about difficult things that they usually want to hang up the phone. So how can we use this to have the better conversations? That's so important. This is so important. And what I believe is that when we are really in tune and in touch with ourselves and our own boundaries and the things that we really stand for and believe in, then we're actually able to communicate better with other people, primarily because we actually know where we are and we don't have to be so reactive because we can be grounded in who we are and what we really believe and little things don't have to throw us off off track all the time. And so one of the ways is, I'll say this, like setting boundaries um, with people and understanding where your real boundaries are and what's really important to you. And one of the things that I think happens with people all the time when they don't set clear boundaries, this happens with friends and family, I think all the time, is you end up saying yes to people when you really wanted to say no You end up being convinced to do things that you really don't want to do. And then that ends up building up this resentment because you feel like the other person forced you to do something when really you're the one who didn't get clear on your boundaries and what was important. And so having this meditation practice helps you ground into your center and really understand what you believe in, what's important to you, what's taking you forward in the direction of your dreams and your goals so that you can be communicating with people from that place. Great. So say I, you're talking around dinner table and someone says something that triggers an angry response in you. It's something you feel is wrong or something you feel is, you know, it, it is wrong in many ways. It could be discriminatory or it could be you feel like it's mean and unfair. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah, no. I, so I know somebody who does this all the time on Twitter. You might know him. Um, so the the thing that I'll tell you about this practice that's so powerful is it gives you the space so that you can respond and not react. The space in between that, the stimulus and your response is where your choice lies in how you handle a situation. And so when we don't have that connection to ourself, when we don't have access to that millisecond of space that pause in between where we can anchor into ourselves no matter what is happening around us, then we end up reacting. And when we react, then we usually oftentimes just make situations worse, right? But when we can pause and respond from a place of compassion and a place of love and a place of understanding, which is what meditation is all about, about kindness and curiosity and openness, then you don't have to react to somebody. Because somebody, you know, one of the biggest things they say is like shame. When we shame somebody or we come at somebody with something negative or harsh, it literally shuts down the centers of the brain that allow us to change. And so when somebody says something at your dinner table that is, you know, messed up, you know, that pisses you off in some kind of a way, 
the best way to enact change is not going to be to react to them in some dramatic way that tells them that they're wrong. It's going to be to be curious about, wow, what, what is it? Why do you think that way? I'm like, just to be open and understanding that this person really has a belief the same way you have a belief. And even though you think it's wrong, and in many cases, maybe it is, especially if it's discriminatory or something like this, the way to change and the way to get through is going to be by being centered, open, compassionate, and having a discussion, not by blaming and shaming. And meditation allows us to learn how to do that. Well, okay. So say we, we do the meditation, we're ready to not react in very dramatic fashion, but then the other person is dramatic. What do we do? Yeah. Well, here you, you can still hold your center. That's it. You can, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about, um, God, there was that, uh, there was that video of R. Kelly exploding on Gail King, you know, yes. when he got interviewed by her. That is somebody who meditates. That is somebody who is able to hold their center with compassion and hold the space no matter what's happening around you. And that's why meditation is so important because what we're learning to do, what we're practicing every day for 12 minutes is finding our own center within the storm of our lives. So when somebody else comes at you with a storm, you're like, oh, this is good. I practice this every day. And sometimes, to be honest, you'll fall off track. We're humans, right? We all will like say, say things that we don't mean, react in a way that is like not of our highest center, you know, but that's the reason why this is, um, why this is a practice. Hmm. And so say like at a protest or something, and there's the people who are for the protest and people who are against the protest, they protest, they protest. So yeah. in those situations, there are sometimes very heated discussions. How are those the right times to have discussions and how we should we do them better? Mm, that is such a good question. So God, I mean, we've seen so many moments where people are able to come across the line and talk. Um, and I, I think that in the moments of protest, those are probably not the best discussion moments because it's like everybody's there to just shout about what they believe, you know, um, mm -hmm. it can happen. We've seen it happen in the past, but I think that really leaders of these, of these movements, um, need to come together and, and really wage peace. You know, if that's what we really want, you know, then it's about coming together in a space that feels um, calm and, and equal, if possible, or trying to reach out a hand to gain understanding is really important. And I, and I understand that sometimes that's not possible. I know that I, I sound like I'm being idealistic here. Like if you have, you know, some people who are like white supremacists who are, you know, going against the Black Lives Matter movement, it's probably going to be unlikely in most cases that you're going to get them into a room with some kind of a peaceful conversation. But, you know, it's, I think at the end of the day, it's better to understand that sometimes you're, the change that you want to see in the world starts within with you. And I know we hear this over and over and it sounds like a cliche, but it's really the only thing that we can do and that we can control in any way is what we do. And so, that's kind of what the whole point of the practice is, is how we dive into what we can do and how we respond and react to any situation that comes up. Yeah, so sometimes, you know, some people want to have more conversations. They're just very scared because they're scared. Like, for instance, they might say something, the wrong term, the wrong word. They not up yeah. on the lingo and, but they have questions and they, and they want to talk about meaningful. This is what I see. What do you see? But they scared that they, 
that it might blow up into a big thing and someone might record and put on Twitter or something. So, yeah, I mean, how, what do we do about that? Yeah, no, I understand that. I, you know, to be honest, I, I remember when, uh, uh, like all the conversations started changing a lot around like the gender pronouns and I was kind of like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So the two things that I say that we do are number one, Google is an amazing thing. If there's a conversation that you want to have, I'm guarantee there's a, an instant article you can find online that gives you some information about it from the people who are in it so you can educate yourself a little bit. I think that's all of our responsibility. But if it is just jumping into a conversation, this is the thing. I feel like a lot of the times what stops people from getting into discussions is they feel like they have to know it all before we, they get into it. And that's one of the biggest problems that's stopping us from having conversations these days. I feel like back in the day, you know, especially before Google, when people had what they think is an instant uh, you know, answer in front of them, magically in every moment, we were sitting around and having discussions without even understand any understanding of who was right and who was wrong, but having discussions to figure out this complicated thing called life and, and our values and our morals and understanding the other side. And so I think what is more important is coming in from a place of saying, I don't really know, but I'm curious instead of coming in and acting like you know everything. So you may say when you start a discussion, okay, I, I really want to talk about this. And if you're doing it in a, in a real, you know, empowered, communicative way, you just say like, I'm really excited to talk about this, but I'm nervous because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I'm nervous that I'm going to offend somebody. And I'm afraid that I'm going to da 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 But I'm really wondering and curious about this, you know, and, and, and then it's open. Then people know that you're, that where you are. And it's so easy for us to pretend that we're perfect and we know everything, but it's more interesting for all of us if we're just a little bit more vulnerable and say, we don't know, and we are afraid and, um, but we're, we're willing and wanting to grow. And that's where the magic happens. I'm thinking of, um, this talk that I saw with, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates and he was talking at some school and some girl stood up and some guy stood up and, and it was a white guy at a school. And he was like, how come in music, black people use the N word and it's not okay for me to say it as a white person. And it opened up this amazing discussion. But I think about like how gutsy it must have been for this white person to like stand up and ask this question in this room of thousands of people. And, but it's a question that so many people want to know the answer to. You know, and it opened up this fabulous discussion just because he was vulnerable enough to, to ask the question in a way that wasn't combative. So now, so say he, he asked that question and then afterwards people whisper and look at him or maybe give him comments and say, well, you really are racist because of that question or you are a bad person in some way. What does that person do or how do they deal with it? Yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing that I've had to come to learn. You have to just try your best not to care. I mean, if you're, <laughs> if people, people are going to say what they want to say. And they're, if, as long as you know, and this is why I come back to meditation, as long as you know, when you get up to speak or when you say something that you are coming from a place that is grounded in who you really are, and it's coming from a place of integrity, then you can stand by it, even if you're wrong and even if you learn, right? Because that's just where you were. 
And but it, it, that only is possible. We're only able to have that confidence when we know who we really are. And that's why, you know, when I started this conversation about meditation, it allows you to ground into that space more clearly than, you know, than ever before. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then also we think about work situations in the workplace. Um, you know, it's difficult. Sometimes people will have conversations about things or they're afraid to, how do we have more meaningful conversations there? Because the other thing is you worry, you want to stand in your truth, but also you need paycheck. So yeah. Well, I don't need yep. paycheck, but I mean, I imagine that people must need paycheck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you can imagine that well. So, the um, so and this is kind of my thing. I think that we obviously can never stand up for any kind of abuse or discrimination or anything like that in the workplace at all. But sometimes at work, like your work doesn't need to be your friends. Like it, these don't, this doesn't need to be the place where you're having your deepest conversations with everybody. Um, that's my personal opinion on that. I have my friends outside of that and I keep a little boundary there, but it, you know, I think we can still have more meaningful conversations in the workplace. And I think we can still have these discussions, but you also do have to understand like the politics of, of work, right? So the, the things that I'll say are when, if something's happening that is uh, like an HR problem, right? Then you definitely want to talk about that. But when it comes to um, discussing things that can affect the growth and evolution of where you're going in the company, which would obviously give you more leverage and, and more things, I, I just say for people to be careful um, because we do see a lot of stuff happening right now in the world as it relates to you know, companies and, and people getting fired instantly for saying the wrong thing and, and doing the wrong thing when they had good intentions. So I keep all my kind of conversations like that outside of the workplace, or even if it's maybe like happy hour after work, then you can do it. So that's my take on that. That's, that's a um, very safe, safe idea. Um, so is there anything else you would like to add about how we can, where we're coming into the election season, so it's cool. everything's going to be very heated. Um, yeah. Any words, final words of wisdom you have for us about how to actually be able to talk in that screen? Yeah, this is, I, so as we're coming into the election season, one of the things that I am, um, have been really thinking about deeply is, you know, regardless of who wins, the election, regardless of who wins, we still have an America that is divided. And the election is not going to change that, um, regardless of, of who the, the president of the United States is, you know, next year. And so the question comes back to exactly what you're saying, which is, how do we learn to come together? How do we learn to talk to one another? How do we learn to have compassion for one another and have the conversations with our family who may have different views than us and have the conversations with our friends who may have different views than us? And my answer to that is, is this. First of all, we have to, we absolutely have to understand that people have different views and that everyone is not going to agree with you, but they can understand you. And that's one thing that I have really been trying to 
participate in, I guess, in my, in my own life with people who, whose just views are, they just are different than mine. Um, I try to imagine it like this, like right now in the United States, gay marriage for the most part is legal. Like being gay is accepted in many places in the United States. And it just is kind of known in consciousness in the United States that like legally we're supposed to accept gay people and it's an okay thing to be. And I know that's a blanket statement and there's places where that's not true, but I'm saying this overall. Now, if all of a sudden something happened in the law where being gay became illegal in the United States, like it is in certain places in Africa or in the Middle East, that wouldn't change my belief that being gay is okay. Even if it became illegal, right? I may have to follow the law. I may have to do something different, but that would not change my inherent belief that I've grown up with thinking that it is okay to be gay regardless of what happens with the law. And I say that because I think about the people who are alive today who were in segregated schools who believed that having white-only schools was better, who believed that segregation was the way to go, who wanted a white-only America. There are people alive today who grew up with that belief. And just because the law changed doesn't mean their beliefs changed. They just had to follow the new law, right? And that's like, when you think about it like that, like, wow, okay, it, you know, there may be certain things that we just don't see eye to eye on. And I'm not saying that the people who have, you know, this belief in segregation or white only America are right, but I'm saying that they exist. And what we have to all learn how to do is have understanding of how and why people are the way that they are so that we can have compassion and have conversations because that's the only way things are gonna change. I'm not saying accept and I'm not saying give people a pass for discrimination or anything like that. I'm saying to understand and have conversation. And um, that's kind of what I've been trying to do to the best of my ability as I speak and you know teach in a lot of different communities and populations around the world. Hmm. And lucky for us, you have a book coming out that can lead us step by step to do what you're saying, right? Yes, yes, I'm so excited. So. I have a book. Um, it comes out February 11th, 2020, but it's actually available for pre-order everywhere around the world right now. And it's called Stay Woke, A Meditation Guide for the Rest of Us. And it's a meditation and mindfulness book that really encourages us to wake up to who we really are so that we can not just sit here and meditate for 12 minutes, but so that we can take action, action in our lives, action in our communities, and action for the planet and ultimately so that we can all come together and create true equality. So um, people can find that at the website staywokegiveback.com. That's staywokegiveback.com. And the reason that's the website is because we're doing a huge campaign with the launch of this book to bring mindfulness and meditation teachings to communities who are impacted by racism, discrimination, and social injustice all throughout the world and to bring this work for free to those communities. So you can get the book and also learn how you can give help give back to these communities who need our help as well. Staywokegiveback.com. Perfect. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes.
And Thank you. Of course. And is there anything else that you want to tell us about coming up? Yeah. So the only other thing is if people are interested in learning how to meditate, I know we talked a lot about it here, but we didn't actually, you know, practice it. Um, I have a free online little gift that I love to offer to people that just gets them, you know, kind of a tiptoe into meditation. So you can understand tiptoe is the right word, like a dip your toe into meditation. So you can see what the practice is really like, especially if you're somebody who's like type A and you feel like you can't stop thinking or you're creative who wants to get more ideas. This will be really good for you. And that's just at meditationforthepeople.com. It's meditationforthepeople.com. And uh, there is a free, totally free practice for you there. You just have to put in your email address. I'm not one of those people who send a bunch of spam, so you don't have to worry. It's just the way for you to get the practice. And then I'll send more guided meditations along after that as well. Great. Well, thank you so much, Justin. Um, and we will do our best to use our mindfulness practices in the future. Thank you. Thank you. So, Melania, great interview. Are you going to start meditating now? Don't ask such ridiculous of the questions. Usually, Melania, when we see you on TV, you're so non-reactive already. So if you're not meditating, then how are you doing it? Easy. I just do the ABCs of the sign aware and ignore them. Could it be that repeating the names of different designers is the way Melania Trump stays sane? Fascinating. So for the rest of us, here are a few things to keep in mind. Ask yourself the question, if you know you were going to die in two months, what would you do? I mean, that gives me goosebumps. That's pretty profound. Remember that meditation is more like going to the gym than being relaxing. Go into tricking conversations with curiosity and the desire to understand. You don't have to react to anything. Let me know how it goes. Before we go into the I Don't Care Do You segment, I'd like to tell you two things. First, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Second, I want to thank everyone who's made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing, to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Maddie McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Walters, Danny Holtz, and Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Justin Michael Williams for being such a wonderful guest. Now, you could follow my podcast on my Twitter and Instagram, which is at Lauren Logie. I keep it simple. All of the social media things are at Lauren Logie, L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get all the free stuff from me and my guests. This episode, Justin has so generously given us access to a free goal-setting workshop he's putting out called Manifest 2020. I'm going to put a link over in the VIP area. Sign up and figure out how you're going to make 2020 whatever you want it to be. And if you want to catch one of my shows, I do stand up in character as Melania Trump and have a tour coming out next May in June, then go over to laurenlogie.com slash shows and find out when to catch me live. And join my list at laurenlogie.com to find out when my satirical book, Inside Melania, What I Learned About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her, comes out. And a quick PSA if you're listening to this when we put it out, which is right before the holidays. One is that I really hope you do take Justin's class because it's the right time of year to do that. Second is that I'm going to actually be 
going out of town and out of cell phone range. I can't wait. So we're going to be on a very short hiatus. We'll be back in action for our every other week release schedule starting January 15th. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire and we've got to talk about it. And there's no better way to understand the importance of this by reading the headlines. So my co-host Melania, please give us the top headlines in the I Don't Care Do You segment. Here's all the things that I don't care do you about. The New Zealand volcano is going off and people are the dyings. Another shooting took place at a military base. Articles of the impeachment are happening. Fingers crossed for me. Massive flash floods in Arizona killed a few children. But I don't cares. Do you? <laughs> 